This is the Dugout. Weekly interviews with Mariners manager Scott Service. Brought to you by Pizza Hut and by Mazda of Everett. Inside access to the clubhouse from Shannon Dreyer. Every Tuesday at 1 with Bumpin' Stacy on Seattle Sports Station. The home of the Mariners. Getting the dugout started with the Scott Service Show. Presented by Pizza Hut with support from Mazda of Everett. Scott, how's it going? I'm doing great. How are you guys today? Uh, we are fantastic. Excited to see you guys uh, finish this whole thing up at home. And I got to say, I know that um, it's been a heck of a marathon for you guys. And I'm sure everyone is very tired. Me, not having played any baseball this year, I'm very excited to see 10 straight games uh, at home in nine days. Uh, what's it mean for you to know that you could clinch a playoff spot here at T-Mobile? Ah, it's huge. Uh, certainly, we're excited to get off the road trip. The road was not our friend here in the last 10 games, so uh, glad to get home. Um, kind of off day yesterday was very well-timed. I think we needed it from a physical standpoint. we got a few guys that are banged up right now, but uh, guys are excited to get back home. Obviously, playing in front of our fans, uh, give us a little jolt of energy. Hopefully, they show up and are loud and get behind us because we certainly need it. Scott, you had the day off yesterday. Any interesting kind of revelations and ruminations over what you occurred the past 10 days? Any kind of light to be shed that was any different than you knew on Sunday? I wish there was, Shannon, but there really wasn't. Um, you know, we we didn't play well on Sunday. We let that game get away from us, and there's no way to sugarcoat it. You know, our team was very upset afterward. Uh, we just know that we're better than that, and we let one get away, but you know, like I told the team at that point, there's absolutely nothing we can do about it right now. You have to wash it. You have to let it go. And we got to get back to playing, playing like the way we can. You know, that's controlling the strike zone. I didn't think we, we pitched particularly well on this entire trip. It's just the guys I mean, we've, we've leaned on so heavily of just going and get strike one and then continuing to pound that strike zone. And we were a little inconsistent doing it, you know, and the same thing on the offensive side. So, again, it's behind us. Uh, we have played well at home uh, all year long. Uh, we find a way to, you know, we play a lot of close games at home, but we find a way to, to figure out, you know, to win it, get a big hit late, get a rally going, and that's what we're going to need to do on this homestand. Scott, you guys were clearly banged up during that road trip. It sounds like Gino might be coming back. What's his status? Yeah, Gino's going to DH for us tonight. Um, he was in here yesterday, and I had a chance to, to see him, and he's hitting full go. He's ready to, to let it rip. He'll be our DH tonight, and he also will go through our our pregame defensive work starting today. Um, he has been throwing a little bit. I think he threw out to about 90 to 100 feet yesterday. That felt okay. So we'll continue to progress his defensive work and see how that finger is doing. But it's really nice to have him back in the lineup. Now, I know you're not a trainer or a doctor, but with Gino, is it just as simple as just resting that finger, or did he have to do some some extra work? Uh, you know, it, it's a, he has a broken bone, you know, there's a little bit uh, of an issue there. There's not a whole lot you can do for broken bones. You got to rest it, let him heal a little bit, but it's one of those things that if he can figure out a way, a way to make it work and an ability to throw the ball across the diamond, you know, he wants to get back in there as soon as he can, but, uh, we'll see how it looks in the next couple of days going through the defensive work and then, uh, take it from there. Scott, what has his attitude done for the team kind of behind the scenes? I mean, he doesn't, he was not frowning through any of this, and obviously you know he wants to be out there. Yeah, Gino has been just phenomenal all year long. Uh, you know, the good vibes only, it's real. It really is good vibes only every day with Gino. Um, he's about as consistent a personality uh, that I've ever been around in this game whether it's a coach, a player, a trainer, a front office executive, Gino is about as consistent, 
coming to the ballpark every day than anybody I've been around and, and where his mindset is at. So uh, he likes to be out there. He wants to be in the mix and, and contribute any way he can. And, you know, even the days he wasn't in there, he's in the bench. He's yelling at teammates. He's getting on the guys on the other team. I mean, he's all in. And we just, like I said, we've missed him in the lineup and hopefully he can give us a jolt tonight. Hey, Scott, I have a question. Um, okay. <laughs> Quite an intro. Hey, I got a question. Scott, hear me out. Okay, hear me out. Now, I know a closed-door meeting is top, top secret. You're not going to tell us what you guys talked about, but how do you feel the meeting went? After the game? Yes. Sunday? Yes. Um, I don't know. I guess, uh, you know, when you... You have a group like that. You've been together for, I don't know, seven months. You know, you have a few of those meetings. I just thought, you know, after the way that game got away from us on Sunday, mm. it was an opportunity to get everybody together. And I, I'm a big thing in those meetings is everybody needs to look at everybody else. Nobody gets to head, put their head in their locker, look the other direction. And basically, you know, I just want everybody to look around the room. We've got a lot of good players, a lot of good people. We've gone through a lot together. And the reason we're in this spot is because we've leaned on each other and not trying to do too much. Just do your job. You know, and if your job is to, you know, make a play in the field, if it's throw strikes, if it's to, you know, have a good at bat when it's called upon, you just do your job. You don't have to do any more than that because the strength of our team is really the depth of our team. And that's how I've looked at it all year long. Certainly we've had some guys have great seasons, you know, and and Julio has led a lot of the charge here, but um, you know, Ty France at certain times, Gino at certain times. We've seen something things from Cal Raleigh. We've seen our starting pitchers dominate. Like everybody's had their day, but the strength of our team is really in the the collective group and how we believe in each other. And, and I think you know when you're in a room and it's not going so good, and you start looking around the room, you're like, hey, that guy's pretty good. Hey, that guy's pretty good. Hey, that guy's my buddy. Hey, we're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And this team feels that we know it, but we got to go out and do it. We got to go out and play good baseball, clean baseball, and we're ready to do that tonight. Scott, we've seen J.K. play some some good baseball, man. I think it's six of sixteen right now after being called back up, and his his demeanor and his personality seems like just a no nonsense type of guy. What have you seen out of him, and is he the same way off the diamond as he is on the diamond as far as his personality? Uh, Jared's a very intense player, you know, and, and he's wired much differently than like Julio, you know, just, you know, the facial expressions and how he plays. And uh, Jared loves playing baseball. He really does. He enjoys it as much as Julio. He just shows it a different way. And he's playing really good right now. He is. He's got confidence, the quality of his at-bats. He's been able to slow it down in the batter's box and, and, and you know, control the strike zone better. And he's swinging a bat well. And He's played pretty well in the outfield for us. <clears throat> you know, he made a great throw the other night to, to cut down a base runner at second. was a critical out in the game on Saturday night, and he'll continue to get a lot of reps out there. He's playing well. Scott, I just wrote a little bit about Jared, and after talking with you, talking with Jared a little bit, and talking with Jared DeHart, and just watching it kind of hit me. I know it's just four games, but it really seems to me, and he's been a little bit quiet behind the scenes, which is fine, and he's quieted down what he's doing at the plate. There's kind of a quiet theme that's going on, which is good, but it seems like for the first time in a long time, he's letting the game come to him. Is that something that he can kind of point back to when things start moving quickly again? I mean, it's four games enough to have that kind of success when you've changed an approach a little bit, when you've changed what you're doing with your swing and your setup. How much does it take with with a young player like that? Well, it's certainly trending in the right direction. 
um, he is letting the he's slowing the game down. I like to call it and letting the game come to him, like like you said. But I think the biggest thing for Jared right now is, you know, he said it when he when we first called him up. Like he wants to do anything he can to help us win these last ten games. That's his sole focus. And if it is taking a walk, just getting on base, stealing a base, whatever it takes to help us win the game, that's where his mindset is at right now. And he's a better player. I think all guys are better players when they're thinking that way. <coughs> Excuse me. Instead of thinking I got to get a couple hits or I need to hit a big home run. He's not in that mindset. He's in the mindset to do whatever he can to help the team. And so far, it's, it's looked great. I'm really happy where he's at. Scott, I watched the ball club struggle to find the baseball in the sun, and I felt for him, man. It took me back to my pump returning days, and um, I would know in certain stadiums at a certain time, facing a certain direction, that that sun was going to be an issue. Is that something that guys talk about amongst each other, you guys make them aware of, or you just kind of figure it out when you're out there? Well, there are certain days in certain ballparks that in, <clears throat> typically in September is when the, the sun is the toughest for whatever reason. Don't ask me why, but <laughs> that's, a, that's what it seems like it is, you know, based on how the sun's setting later in the day, you know, and those shadows start to creep in across home plate, but more importantly in the outfield. And certainly we, we had our, our issues in Kansas City, not just the sun, but it was extremely windy um, on Sunday as well. And anytime the ball went up in the air, you just didn't know what was going to happen. And unfortunately, you know, we lost a couple in the sun that hurt us, but it's something that I think the more guys play and certainly, you know, veteran players understand it a little bit more. <clears throat> Sometimes you have to position yourself a little bit different uh, just so you don't get caught in that spot. But it's not easy. Uh, it's part of the game. We got to get better at it. And it's certainly something that's not going to go away. We're going to play some day games here through the rest of the year. But, you know, it's, it's a little it was untimely. First of all, you know, the bases are loaded when the ball went in the sun, which didn't help us. But, you know, we got to get better at that. It is part of the game. Like I said, the sun's not going to go away. We're going to still continue to play some day games here. Hey, Scott, your, your clubhouse DJ versus your coach's room DJ, who's got the better playlist, Manny Acta or J.P. Crawford? <coughs> Excuse me. I'm going to take Manny Acta all day long uh, on that one. But uh, <clears throat> it's funny you bring that up, uh, Shannon. We've had a good time with that, I think. I talk to the guys all the time about celebrating the wins, and our coaching staff celebrates them as much as the players do, maybe more than the players do. We just know how much goes into it, and certainly this time of year, everyone is so big. So uh, Manny's on top of the the music uh, in the coach's room and oftentimes uh, on the bus uh, with the coaches. So I appreciate it. Uh, it keeps it loose, keeps it fun, and that's the way it should be. Has that been kind of one of your running themes uh, when you're managing this team this year? I mean, if you have, like, I guess – plans for the feeling or vibe that you want all season is fun been one of them absolutely i don't think that's changed since i took the job seven years yeah. ago <clears throat> i just know how hard the game is and i know it's hard for fans to watch it when we're struggling and not getting it done the way everybody wants to but i know how hard it is to play and to be consistent and, and uh you know show up for your teammates every day and along the way you've got to enjoy the game you know you enjoy the competition it's not always going to go your way but you enjoy the fact you get to go out and try to get better every day, and you're doing it with a group of guys that you believe in. And you know, it's it's what's got to be. It's a kid's game. We just get you know we get paid some money to do it. There's a lot of ball people in the ballpark. The expectations can rise, but it's still a kid's game, and you got to go out and have fun with it. Scott, um, it's a long season, and uh, you're towards the end of it now, and you guys are banged up. You got a lot of guys who expect to contribute. Uh, to that are banged up. Have you dealt with this type of situation before where it, it all seems like it, it's happening at one time? And then how do you get your team to kind of fill in those gaps and bounce back? 
Well, I don't think, you know, everybody would love to feel feel 100% at this time of year, but there's nobody in the game that does. And, you know, you get some untimely injuries, certainly the Julio and the Geno thing, and now, you know, Cal's battling that thumb issue. And things happen. You know, if this happens in June or July, you're, you're kind of scuffling through it, but <clears throat> there's not as much hype around it and much focus and attention. The fact that it's happening and you've got 10 to 15 games to go, it heightens, you know, it heightens the, the insecurities and the awareness around it. So, there's nothing you can do about it. You got to go out and figure out. These guys are going to come back. We get Gino back tonight. Julio's going to be back before the homestand's over. You know, and you just try to you know perform the best you can, even though you are banged up. But it does no good to feel sorry for ourselves. We certainly don't feel sorry for other teams when <laughs> they lose some of their top right. players because of injury. It's just part of the game, and you got to figure out how to overcome it. And again, we have a really good team. And if everybody just leans on each other, we're going to be just fine. Well, and great news also getting Gino back tonight. That was a great update. He is Scott Service for the Scott Sh- Service Show. And, uh, and Skip, uh, there's a chance that this time next week when we're talking to you, we're talking about you guys doing something really really special that Mariners fans haven't seen for a long time. Uh, either way, though, we're rooting for you, and uh, we're excited to watch this couple series you guys got at home. It sounds good, guys. Appreciate you having me on. And remember, take it a day at a time. One That's day Thanks, Skip. Thanks, Scott. All right, again, the Scott Service Show presented by Pizza Hut with support from Mazda of Everett. Let's start with Gino. Gino Suarez is going to be back in the lineup tonight at DH. I mean, that's huge, huge for this team. Absolutely. I mean, he was one of the hottest power hitters in baseball at the time. He was matching Aaron Judge home run for home run. And you hope that, you know, missing the 10 days that he has missed, he he doesn't kind of lose what he had there or that he doesn't try to do too much. But he was able to pick up the bat just a couple of days after injuring the finger. And the difference there is, is he does wear a kind of a brace and kind of a cover over mm-hmm. that finger. And then the equipment manager had to like cut the glove, uh, the index finger off of a, a larger glove and sew that on to Gino's batting gloves. And so he's kind of batting like with that finger yeah, extended a little bit. So that's easier. You can't do that in the field. That's why that might take a little bit longer. That said, it's a surprise that he has been throwing. Also, that many went in yesterday and and worked on it the off day. He was at the field. And there's not, you know, to answer your question, Mike, there's nothing you can do about you know, the finger. It's just mm-hmm. a broken bone. All you can do is rest it. So he was in yesterday to hit. Mm. Not so much at that point. You know, the inflammation is gone. Not so much to, to get treatment on that, which is, is great. He wants to be out there and hopefully he can pick up where he left off. And meanwhile, you found that Ty France can play over there in a pinch. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to see this is demeanor right after he swings the bat. Is there a grimace? You know, does it look the same? Because I think as an athlete, I, I've broken my foot, my collarbone, dislocated fingers. And you try to compensate, and with football, it's such a, a physical sport. Like, I can do other things physically to kind of make up for my finger being dislocated or my yeah. foot being sore. You think there's any adjustments he can make at the plate to protect that, or does, or can he shouldn't even be out there if, if he's changing anything that he's doing at the, at the plate? No, it's uh, the question was was if he was able to, you know, would the brace bother him? Would playing with that finger a little bit more extended? He's not wrapping it around the bat. If that would bother him, and it hasn't. He's taken batting practice every day. Saturday, he and Carlos Santana just had an absolute bomb show that they put on during batting practice, and it was just one. I, I think Gino hit like four out in his last. I think they were aiming for the fountains in Kansas. This is Gino City. with his little bracing yes, on the yes, finger yes, yes, straight. No, yeah, in the glove. he had. Yeah, he definitely. It's against batting practice pitching. You're talking 60 miles an hour, maybe 70 rather than 
um, what he's going to see in a game, but I'm sure wow. he's been in the cages where they've got the velocity machines on the road and that he, he has probably taken some swings and connected. But I, I think just uh, as long as he doesn't get hit on that finger, I think the biggest question for him is, you know, does it feel okay, everything else feel okay yeah. without basically using that finger at the plate. And uh, I I think it does. There's been no indication that it doesn't. He says it's all working out great for him, and he's excited to get back there. Now, we know the the holes and issues that this team has quite literally, like, on the field, right? We know where they need to find help in the offseason. They're not going to be able to do it anytime soon. You could say that for any team in MLB. However, some of the challenge that this team, a young team, is going to have, right, is going to be the mental game. So um, trying to bounce back from their worst loss in years, uh, trying to go into a 10-game stretch in nine days where they have all the weight of a 21-year drought on their shoulders. That's a lot. That's a lot of stuff to carry mentally and carry emotionally. Um, Does that almost outweigh just what happens on the field with this team? I mean, how much of the final 10 days is going to have to be getting your mind right? I think you don't even have to get it right. You just have to get it to where it's been all season long. And Scott Service kind of brought out the Ted Lasso on this trip. we got to be goldfish. That came back after a couple of years. And where the heck is the rest of Ted Lasso? Why does it take five years to get an episode three on I the know. air? I, it just <laughs> and it's the, I think it's the final season. Well, it might as well be because if not, it's going to be at least a decade before you see another one. They'll all be retired. They won't be, you know, they're not playing anymore. Because it's real, Stacey. That's really happening (laughs) over there. They're just keeping it from us. Um, I don't, and and in talking to guys, and I'm not getting the impression, and I don't buy into that they're carrying the weight of Mm. a a city that has not had a championship, or even a champion, has not had a championship and has not been to the postseason in 20 years. I don't get that at all. Uh, What, you know, the pressure that they put on themselves are their own expectations. And so, you know, there might be, and especially after a trip like they just had, Perhaps it does kind of start feeding on itself in that they want to go to the playoffs, that this is what they have been aiming for, you know, not for 16 or 17 games, for 152 at this point. So, you know, that maybe. But I, I don't think it's the outside expectations that, that is the problem right now. The thing that doesn't worry me about this team right now, of course you have your concerns, guys being healthy, the bullpen not doing what they used to do, is that for so for the larger part of the season – They've been a good baseball team, yeah. right? It's not like giving up an 11-2 to two lead is something that we've seen them do over and over again. Like Stuff like that happens. There's sometimes when in any sport where you have a bad game and your coach comes into the clubhouse and goes, that wasn't us, guys. You know, Obviously, we got to correct some things, but we know who we are. So I think with them having that foundation of being a good club, getting Geno back, knowing that your fielding is going to be fine, you're not battling the sun in, in Kansas City anymore, that there's there's something, they, they know who they are. You know what I mean? It's up to us to panic and be concerned. But I I think I have a good beat on this team, yeah. and, uh, and I think they'll be all right. Certainly, um, I don't want to say that anything from Sunday was good, but if there was one area that I have the most faith in, it's going to be the bullpen and the starting rotation, right? right? And that's what led to 14 runs and 11 runs being given up in the sixth. If there's one area I expect this team to be able to bounce back or be able to stay consistent, it's going to be with their starters, especially their top-level starters, and their bullpen. Shannon, uh, do you get the feeling, and Bump, do you get the feeling that this is a group that's getting fatigued or just had a couple off days? I've got a couple of posts up on 
um, seattlesports.com right now. And one of them was coming out of this trip. And it was, you know, the biggest thing is, is that they've got to get back to who they are. And what are things that you can hopefully be encouraged about and that you saw? And what are some things that you maybe, maybe should be a little bit concerned about, or it's understandable if you are. And to be honest with you, the starting pitching, I'm a little bit concerned about right now. And uh, it isn't, um, I'm not concerned about Castillo. He had some bumpy outings, but you know, you did see there are two runs that scored early in that game that shouldn't. One was a sun, and the other was a, a drop ball over at first base. He's Luis Castillo. He even said it in his press conference. He realizes that he needs to step it up and turn it up, you know, another notch where they're at right now. Not as worried about that. Not worried about Robbie Ray and the veterans. I am a little bit more concerned about the younger pitchers because they are so far beyond where they Logan are. Ever. George Kirby. Logan and George. Yeah. Um, George Kirby is is at over double the number of innings he pitched last year. And, you know, to go out and have a two-inning outing his last mm-hmm. time out, any other time in the year, in any other year going forward, I wouldn't think twice about it. You know, we're talking about a guy that won Rookie of the Month in August, could have won Pitcher of the Month overall in August, turned it into this month, a couple of good starts, and then had a clunker. You hope it's just a clunker. They're keeping an eye on it, but I can't get that number out of my mind of where he's at. We're not talking the 40 or 50 pitches that traditionally teams have been comfortable letting their teams, their young players go and build upon. It's a lot more. Now, I think that the way the game is going right now and with the way and the access you have to different numbers and different things physically, you can monitor that in a much different way than you've ever been able to monitor before. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're doing, start to start, pitch to pitch, and that's what other organizations are doing too. So for me, a little bit of that is just my old schoolness, but I'm still very anxious to see what he does the next time out. Logan is not quite that far. I think he's about 45 innings past what he threw last year. Again, throwing the ball great up until his last outing. And that outing followed probably his best outing of the year where he set his new strikeout record and had the most swings and misses. So the one thing that I am a little bit concerned about is that, and that's where I'm going to be really watching the next time. Also, your bullpen, they were so out of sorts on this trip. They didn't have leads. There was a one mm. point where Paul Sewald hadn't pitched in eight days. So they weren't being used the way that they normally were used. And I think that probably had an impact on everything. Any last second thoughts? Last second. Yes, they're tired. They're fatigued. It's a long season. I mean, these guys are on the road all the time. I've worked 14 days in a row, and I'm tired, and I'm not out there competing. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like God, yeah. I sat down all yeah. tired. day. Yeah, I'm, Shannon, I'm, Shannon's been on the you road. You should see the things I've said on the air. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the the Baltimore's playing with the Astros at some point. Mm-hmm. Everybody's tired at this point, so that's the beauty of sports. you got to dig deep during this time of the year yeah. and find a way to grind out and win. I'm happy that they're back home, though, finishing the season. All right, you are listening to The Dugout on Seattle Sports Station on 710 and the Seattle Sports app. What went into the construction of the team that's poised to clinch a playoff spot for the first time in 21 years? Let's talk with one of the architects. Mariners assistant GM Justin Hollander joins us next. You're listening to The Dugout every Tuesday at 1 with Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station, the home of the Mariners. Very excited for our next guest, Mariners assistant GM Justin Hollander, joining us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Justin, a big 10 days coming up here. Uh, I mean, the Mariners with a chance 
and a really cool moment to clinch a playoff spot at home. Uh, what does it mean for you guys? I'll start there to to be able to have that chance at T-Mobile. Oh, it's really special to do. I've been a part of clinching mostly at home, although one time on the road, and to be able to do it in front of your your home fans if we can win some games and get back on track. The energy, the vibe, I think the people here deserve to, to witness that and be a part of it. Uh, it just changes the vibe that uh, that everyone feels. Like people feel so connected to a baseball team after six, seven months of following box scores and watching games and listening to games. And, you know, it's an everyday sport. And so to have it happen at home, I think would be really special for the people here. Justin, it's been a long season, and there was a time where it didn't look like the playoffs were a real thing, but then this team goes on a 14-game win streak, and it changes um, the perception of this team. Did it change the way you guys thought about acquiring talent after that run, say, like a, a guy like Castillo? Are you saying you you had doubt at some point? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, never, Justin. Not at all. Never. How dare you? The people did. You know, Stacey and I I've never positive. In my, Bump and I have never in our lives questioned this team or doubted this team. Um, I probably did. We, we ride the wave, you know, Jerry, myself, the entire front office, like everybody else does. We're not immune to that. You know, you want to believe in your process and, and what you think the players were coming into the season. And then the, the team tells you a story as the year goes on. Uh, and this year was certainly, uh, it wasn't without its moments of frustration, like all teams go through or most teams go through. Uh, but I think, once we, we got out of our little tailspin, I think they culminated right around the time they, the Angels left here in May uh, and we just did not have a good five-game series in four days with them. The group uh, downstairs really took it upon themselves to, to, to charge forward and say we're better than this. Um, and you have to listen to what they're telling you as the season goes on. And by the time we got to the deadline, the group downstairs was telling us we're really good, help us. Uh, and we wanted to listen. We wanted to be responsive to that. And when you have an opportunity to acquire Luis Castillo is one of the best pitchers in baseball and has been for a number of years, those, those chances don't come along. You don't get opportunities like that. So we really wanted to embrace the moment and, and try and add to our team in a, a meaningful, impactful way. Now, this wasn't a trade deadline acquisition, though, a free agency uh, trade, free agency period trade. And that would be uh, obviously a Eugenio Suarez, along with Jesse Winker from Cincinnati. Um, we joked about doubt for the team, right? Like there have certainly been times I've been pleasantly surprised. And honestly, Justin, Gino Suarez in, in his home run production has been part of that this year. Um, I might be pleasantly surprised. Are you, though? Um, I would say I want to give a ton of credit on this one to our analyst group. They really, really believed that what happened with Gino last year was a fluke, um, that he showed real signs as the season progressed of, of being the player he's always been. Obviously, he was playing out of position and he was playing hurt for much of the season last year in Cincinnati. Uh, and our analyst group was really dialed on that this player is a very good player who did not have a good year but showed you a lot of reasons to believe over the second half of the season last year. Um, you know, you, those things are never foolproof. You never really know until you get them here, but really since Gino showed up in day one and because of the lockout and the timing, it wasn't until spring training basically that, that he arrived. But since the day he arrived, he's just been incredible in every way, incredible downstairs as an energizer and a leader in our clubhouse, incredible on the field. His defense has been great for us this year. Um, really, really excited uh, about everything he's brought to the table this year. Now, Justin, you and Jerry are the ones making a lot of these decisions, whether it's extensions. Uh, in this case, we're talking about talent acquisition and trades. My only understanding of how this all goes down 
is from the film Moneyball. I have to imagine that when a scout and your scouting team and your analysts are telling you about someone like Gino Suarez, let's look at one acquisition, okay, right? Like the Gino Suarez, Jesse Winker trade, specifically with Gino. I have to imagine in my mind, Justin, that an analyst wheels in a whiteboard just like, uh, just like Jonah did, Jonah Hill. And he's like, Justin, Jerry, listen, look at these stats that I have on Gino. Is that what happened? He, like, is it, a, is it a binder? How do they convince you about Gino? There was a whiteboard involved. Ah. Uh, we were in my office in spring training, uh, which because of, like I said, the lockout, the nature of the, we sort of had a, a weird frenzy period right after the lockout ended for free agency and, and trades to be made because the off season was so truncated uh, and it basically ended December 1st. So for whatever reason, my office in spring training became the, the place where everybody piled in and we, we had ideas like by the dozen basically. And that was one of the ideas. So, you know, I wouldn't say there was like a piece of paper or a binder, you know, it's 2022. True. So we, we had some about that were open, but, uh, in video, but yes, we did, uh, we, we did have a whiteboard. There was some, there were, or some charts that were put up on the screen, but yes, we, um, not exactly like Moneyball, but not that much different. Justin, there's no denying how close this team is. You see them when they hang out with each other, win or loss. They seem like a tight team. And we have a texter say that you have some of the same mannerisms as DePoto. How close are you guys and the rest of the staff? And how important is that when you're trying to build a championship team? Oh, I hate this comparison. <laughs> um, he has much better hair than me. Um, we do. I, I'm sure we do have some of the same speech patterns. I have worked with Jerry every year, but one since the end of the 2011 season. And when you do these jobs, you spend a lot of time, way more time than I spend with my wife or my kids. Like I spend that much time with Jerry. So I'm sure there are speech pattern similarities or hand motion similarities. Um, and I'm not sure whether they're his that I'm copying or mine that he's copying, but they are there. It's, it's unfortunate, but yeah, when you spend that much time together, you, you do end up um, connecting in more ways than just, you know, over a meal, you'd start talking alike. You start using the same expressions. I like to think of you guys sitting, you know, like in your office, which has become the de facto idea room, right? Someone walks in, you're like, what trade are we talking about now? And uh, I like to imagine you and Jerry simultaneously just doing the same actions and people watching, like you guys sip your coffee the same way. And they're like, this is uncanny. It's just crazy what they're doing. I don't drink coffee. So that one, we don't have to worry about. But yeah, no, it's not like the thing where they, they, it's not like the thing where, you know, you see on Twitter or Instagram where there's, you know, there's two people doing the exact same thing in the same moment. It's not really like that, but there, you know, I'm certain there are speech pattern similarities. We don't really dress alike. You know, we don't live near each other. So we, we try and separate as much as we possibly can. Uh, I'm just the only thing I stopped at. I don't drink coffee knowing that you're an assistant GM and how much, how many hours you dedicate right. to that. I can't believe that. Lots of soda, unfortunately, <laughs> but no coffee. Fair, fair. What's, um, What's the celebration going to be like if and when this goes down? Are you guys, is it, is it going to be celebrated like it's a huge accomplishment? Do you just say, okay, this is what we were supposed to do on to the next? What do you imagine that moment being like? I'd like to think it'll be more organic than something I'm planning out. But I guess for me personally, I will probably get after it because it is a good, it is a huge accomplishment. Mm -hmm. And then we will focus on the actual goal, which is winning the World Series. Um, getting to the playoffs is a big deal. You know, my first couple of years in baseball, I just thought that's what you do because that's what, what I worked for the angels and we made it both of my first two years and we won a hundred games and the 98 games. And it's like, Oh, this is easy. Right. It's not easy. It, it is. It's really hard. And when it doesn't go your way, it takes a whole year 
to try and right the wrong and get back to the point where you do uh, have a chance to make the postseason and then ultimately win the World Series. It's a lot of work. There's a lot of, of blood and sweat and tears and whatever cliche you want to use to get there. I mean, we talked earlier about the ups and downs of this individual season. Think about the ups and downs that people have experienced that have worked for or been with the Mariners over the last 20 years. Obviously, we have work to do in front of us. If we do meet our first goal, which is making the postseason, we should celebrate. And then we should move on to the next goal, which is winning the first series that we're in. And then the next goal would be winning the next series. And ultimately, our goal is to win the World Series. And that, you know, you celebrate each individual accomplishment while not losing sight that that the ultimate goal is being the last team standing. All right. Leaving you with the last word there. Perfect way to end this conversation and get people primed and ready for the 10 games we got coming up here. He is Mariners assistant GM, Justin Hollander. Justin, thanks so much. Thanks, Justin. Thanks. All right, we're going to wrap up the dugout with your Mariners questions while we have Mariners insider Shannon Dreyer still with us for one more segment. So get those sent in right now to the Mac and Jack's text line, 866-979-3776. You're listening to The Dugout, every Tuesday at 1 with Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station, the home of the Mariners. You are listening to The Dugout, and we are still joined by Mariners insider Shannon Dreyer. So get your questions in for Shannon. Let's run through some of our questions for the Mariners as we round out the final 10 games of the regular season. Send those to the Mac and Jack's text line, 866-979-3776. Here we go. Uh, Shannon, how does the catcher impact the pitcher? It seems like guys really struggle without Cal. I think they mean specifically like the the catcher and, and pitcher relationships the Mariners have. I think um, I think when you are a starter, the the game is very much on your shoulders. Baseball is a team sport, but I think the player that has the most control over anything within a baseball game is the starter, and they put so much into it. And there's always that aura, you know, oh, you don't talk to starters on the day of the game, you don't talk mm-hmm. to them in the dugout, things like that. Which some some you do, and some you do, most you don't talk to before. You see some talking to others. Um, in the dugout. And so I think that they have to be taken care of a little bit more, particularly the starters. And I think that that relationship is just so important. And I think that when so much is on their shoulders, the other person and the only person that they have to rely on out on the field is that catcher. And that can be a plus or it can be a minus. Sometimes the catcher might not be doing something like if you got a guy out there and you don't like the way he's receiving the ball, the way that he's framing it, that might get into your head. You don't want that kind of distraction. When you have a guy like Cal, who's just way beyond his years, and that comes from growing up in the game. His Mm -hmm. dad was a baseball coach. Uh, He knows which buttons to push. He spends a lot of time getting to know the guys. I remember a talk that I had with him in spring training, not last year, not the year before, but the year before that. So it was, what, probably 22, 23? And he was talking about um, just the responsibility of what he did. And he said it was so important behind the scenes getting to know these guys. And he was, I was, I, I had to stop from laughing, but he's like, yeah, you know, they're, they're kind of like babies sometimes. He's like, you got to make sure that, have you eaten enough today? Are you <laughs> drinking your water? And all of these things. And, you know, they're all the same age. And I thought that was hilarious. So I, I think there's a, a trust level and uh, that you're not going to distract, that you're not going to detract, and then the really good ones can actually bring the best out of the guy that's on the hill. From the 206, has this season made it easier to attract high-caliber free agents for the next season? I I think they've definitely sent some strong signals out that this is a good place to be. And I I think you can look no further than Luis Castillo. He wasn't here very long, and yep, I'll I'll sign a big extension. 
And this is a guy that I'm sure, barring injury, could have done very, very, very well in free agency. Mm -hmm. And he said that, yeah, I knew Jesse, I knew Eugenio, but I was really surprised when I got into the clubhouse and everybody is like that. This group is really tight. So seeing others decide that they want to commit, seeing that Julio Rodriguez wants to commit. And I think that, you know, when you saw him at the All-Star game and how people reacted to him there, I think there are some guys that all else being equal, yeah, I'd like to go play with Julio Rodriguez. And Seattle is doing good things right now, and they are paying their players, and they are you know, trying to build towards something. And they do have Julio, and they do have Luis Castillo, you know, two of the best players in baseball at what they do, and they have one of the best pitching staffs. So you know, dollars are always going to be a big part of the equation. And as I say that, you've got guys signing extensions that possibly could have gotten more. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have things now that they didn't have in the past. Uh, from another listener, uh, Shannon, let's talk biggest offseason upgrades needed. This person already looking past the playoffs here. Second base, shortstop or another right fielder. It doesn't seem like we can count on Hanniger for a full season. I know they aren't easy injuries he suffered. Hanniger's a free agent. We'll see what happens there. You know, is there an extension? Do they sign him to the qualifying offer? Uh, what do we see there? The one thing I know is that for every question that I got in the off season and during the season, what are you going to do when all the outfielders are healthy? Did we see that this year? We no, we, no, not no. very, no, not really. Uh-uh. And we, you know, I think many, I might have asked you that question too. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, early on, I think there was a, you know, at the beginning of the year when Kelnick was up, I think you probably, but Hanniger wow. went out so early, yeah, that maybe he played not like nine games, and you know, my my. My gripe for almost, I don't know how many years, I'd have to look to see how many years it goes back. I'm so tired of seeing infielders in the outfield. It's gone on so long that one of your infielders is one of your best outfielders now. Dylan Morris turned into a really nice outfielder. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't see it going there. So, yeah, I, I think you definitely, I, I would love to see them add an outfielder, you know, regardless if Mitch comes back or not, because you just don't know. Shannon, is Aaron Judge a possibility in free agent this offseason? I don't think so. Not with that attitude, Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a big ticket. Did you see the other day he was wearing a sweatshirt that said New York or nowhere? Did he? Yeah. Really? No. Mm-hmm. Well, he's mm. had fun with it. I mean, he's asked everywhere he goes, and yeah. he never gives a concrete answer on it. Yeah, because so he wants you know, to he's stood in the Boston the Visitors Clubhouse, and, oh, we can't talk about that right now, but the fans here are great. It's a historic ballpark, and... You know, I think some people behind the scenes are putting out that he would like to get back to California. Would the Dodgers ante up for him? Would the Giants do that? You know, yeah. so uh, I don't know. I, I can't see that happening. I was just in San Francisco and just listening to the people talk about it. I mean, they want him. That's what, I mean, I'm sure everybody wants Aaron yeah. Judge, right? But it's uh, and they think it's a real possibility. Now, granted, I'm sitting next to San Francisco, some random dude drinking a big beer who's just talking. But uh, it's cool going there and just. Getting the feel for what they think and how they feel about the situation. Wait, Dodgers fans do or Giants no, 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 fans? Giants fans, Giants, Giants fans, fans? San Fran, yeah. Okay. Mm. Uh, how close is Emerson Hancock to the big leagues? Or you could throw out if there's another minor leaguer that you think is a little closer. Well, they've actually, and it was great when we were in Kansas City. The Arkansas Travelers uh, play-by-play announcer, longtime play-by-play 
announcer actually lives in Kansas City in the off season, so their season is done. And we were talking to him and getting the scoop oh, nice. on all of the players who were at Double A had a good season. Started out a little slow, and there were ups and downs coming off of injury. Obviously, if you look at the numbers, finished strong, and I, I think the numbers indicate that um, you know this is what you hope to see from him. This is why he was drafted. But in the meantime, you have also uh, drafted Taylor Dollard, who I would think is probably now the number one prospect in the Mariners' pitching prospect in the Mariners' organization, and Bryce Miller has emerged as well. So they are very, very strong in the starting pitching, and I think Dollard would probably be the number one call-up at this point. What's a good night for Gino? What's a question. What's a good night for Gino? Yeah, what's a good night? What's uh, it look he like? He sings karaoke. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> just like a nice dinner. It's good dinner. We are it's a good time dinner. with the family. Yeah. <laughs> you watch a new House of the Dragon. <laughs> See what's up with those guys. Exactly. Yeah. That does sound like a very good night. Yeah. Yeah. Messy show. Oh, yeah. Um, wait. Um, J.B. Crawford is a huge Game of Thrones and House of Dragons fan. Really? Yes. yes. Please pass along some of my feedback. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is, but okay. You, you can tweet him. I'm sure he'd be happy about that. Um, Good night for Gino. Or rather, like, how do you... Hits how, the ball hard four times. How would you temper the expectations, I guess? Doesn't swing at everything. I mean, it's, yeah. it's one night, so I just, I'm not worried about one night. Good night for him is coming out going, okay, I'm good to go. That, that for me... Mm is a good night. But if he wants to hit home run, I'm happy. I do want to reiterate, just in case anyone wasn't listening, in our first segment of the dugout when you were mentioning this, that you did watch him and Carlos Santana, but watch Gino. And this is with the little um, cast splint thing on his finger and specialized little glove he's wearing. You did watch him take BP mm-hmm. and thought that, granted, it's BP, but he looked pretty solid. Yeah. yeah. It, it does not look like it's bothering him at all. All right. Well, that will do it for us for the dugout. Don't forget, it is a all Mariners hour from 1 to 2 p.m. every single Tuesday. Shannon, we'll see you next week. And don't go anywhere. Wyman and Bob coming your way next.